morning, all. I just want to draw your attention to a couple of things. Firstly, Amy um, has produced these most incredible, incredible flyers for us to take away. Uh, they are a thing of beauty. Honestly, I'd have that on my wall. Um, but it's got all the details of what's happening over Christmas, as you can tell. We've been thinking a lot about this as a team for a while. Um, and we're super excited. So if you want to invite friends, family, work colleagues, Grab a whole bunch of these um, and please do. It would be great to have this building packed out, not only with our Skylark family, but actually with friends and family in our wider community who could really benefit from, from some hope and some love this year. Um, secondly, I just want to make us aware as a church family that two of our Skylark team are out at the moment um, in a country that I can't name, but they are involved in a really, really strategic conference for women leaders, Christian women leaders who are per in, in nations where they're persecuted for their faith. And that's why I can't divulge the location of that conference, but I can say um, that Sue Gibson, our prayer pastor, and love Liz Fowler have gone out and they're part of a wider team. Sue is actually heading up all of the prayer ministry for the conference. So over the, the course of the conference, which I believe is about 10 days, she will have prayed and her team will have prayed for about 150 women. And I know because I've been in regular contact with her that they are just blown away firstly by what God is doing, but they are also... Um, really, really moved by some of the, the situations that these wonderful, wonderful women are up against. So I just thought, before I bring anything else, it would be really nice for us to pray for Sue and for all of the team um, this morning. Lord, I want to thank you that um, being part of, of Skylark Church doesn't just, like, doesn't just look like sitting in a church building on a Sunday, but Lord, that you call and send us all to be your light wherever we go. And we think of Sue and we think of Liz and others from the Skylark International um, community who are out um, ministering to these precious women at the moment. We pray that you give them strength for all that you're asking them to do. We thank you, Lord, that there is power in our prayers. And we thank you, Lord, that those ladies are so hungry to meet with you, that they risk so much to get to that conference, but they know that they need to be with others who can strengthen them. Father, I pray for each of us sitting here today. Lord, there are many of us too who are in need of strength, and to, and to take strength from being part of a wider community. If that's, if that's us today, thank you that you know us by name and you want to meet with us. We're open to hear from you today and we acknowledge our need not just for you but for one another. Amen. Well, we're continuing with our theme of portraits, and I'm excited for this one this morning. I'm going to be looking at a little-known guy. He's, he's not really very well-known, and he doesn't get a, a huge shout-out in the Bible, but his name is Jabez, and um, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But before I do, one of the things that Pete and I agonized over at great length before uh, we had our first daughter was her name. Now, we had both been teachers, and automatically that eliminates quite a large number of names that you might like to choose, right? For varying reasons, sometimes good, 
sometimes honestly not so good. Um, so there was already a whole swathe of names that we each had to eliminate because of our teaching careers. Um, but then, you know, there's that thing, isn't there, that you, you want to find a name with some meaning. You want to find a name that goes well with a surname. You're thinking about maybe family names. And there are so many things to consider. And it feels like a massive responsibility to saddle a child with a name for the rest of their life to be honest it's it's big and so we did um we did make a lot of lists and we had lots of post-it notes around the house and all sorts of things now I just want you to imagine for a moment that you have the task of naming one of these beautiful babies that you see here and I'm going to just throw out some suggestions because I'm sure that as you look at these little cuties here, there are some names that wouldn't cross your mind. But these are genuine, crazy names that have been registered in the United States. I'm making it away from home so that we can have a good laugh, right? Because, you know, we'd never do that, would we? Um, so, can you imagine naming one of these little cherubs Burger? Probably not, but that is a genuine registered name in the US. How about Hot Dog? No, I know it's bad, isn't it? It gets worse. Three babies in the US have been registered with the name Poopy. Okay, let's keep going. Six girls have been registered with the name ABCDE. Right, okay, let's keep going. It gets worse. Three babies with the name But. Seven girls and six boys have been registered with the name Moo. And there is one child who has been given the name hashtag. Okay, right? Possibly not top of our list, only in America, says Penny. And she is American, so we can, we can take that. If you're from the United States, we love you. We love you. We don't understand you, but we love you. So, let's think about this little guy. He wasn't actually little, but let's think about this guy in the Bible, Jabez. Here is an individual who was given a name. And it was not a name that you would want to carry through your life. His name, Jabez, meant pain or sorrow. And to be more specific, in the footnote of my New King James translation, it says his name meant he will cause pain or he will cause sorrow. Can you imagine walking into a room with a name like that? What a name to have to walk around with day after day. And Jabez is little known, as I said. He's only mentioned three times in the Bible. Although he was made a little more famous by a best-selling book years ago now. And if I'm honest... I read the book at the time, and there's lots to take from it, but honestly, I felt it turned his story into a bit of a prayer formula for Christians who might be seeking greater influence or material wealth in their life. And I'm not sure that that serves the power of this guy's story as well as it could. So if you've read that book, I want you to jettison everything that you've read or that you think you might already understand about Jabez today because I want to unpack it in a slightly different way and from a slightly different vantage point this morning. Are you with me? Let's do it. 1 Chronicles 4 verses 9 and 10. Now Jabez was more honourable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez saying, 
because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Short and sweet, only a few verses or two verses there to unpack, but there is so much to glean from this guy's story. First of all, we find out that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. He stood out. There was something about him that was worthy of respect, that was worthy of honor, that commanded attention. It's an interesting thing that that's what we're told right there at the beginning before we find out his name. He was good. There was good in him. Something that set him apart, something that distinguished him above and beyond. And yet, his mother named him Jabez. His name and his identity didn't correspond. They didn't match up. There was a discrepancy between that name that he carried, that he'd been given, and who he truly was on the inside. And this becomes even more significant if we transport ourselves back to biblical times because we need to understand in Jewish culture, back in biblical times, in the Old Testament times, the significance that names carried. Nowadays, when we choose a name, yeah, we do give it thought, but often we might land on something that's pretty and not worry too much about the meaning. We might want to choose something that's unusual. Or we might want to choose something more traditional, but we don't necessarily ascribe the same power to names than they did back then in biblical times. In the Old Testament times, names carried massive significance. In fact, to ancient Hebrews and Babylonians, nothing existed until it had a name. That's how they thought that if it didn't have a name, it didn't exist. And what does that tell us? It tells us that names had the power to create. There was something creative about a name that called forth, called into being. And that makes sense when we think about the Torah and the first book, Genesis, that God created by speaking, calling, naming something into being. Let there be light, And there was light. Are you with me? Are you following? So there was a massive emphasis on this creative quality of names, a sense that somehow the name something or someone was given would somehow call your potential or your true identity into being. The biblical concept of naming was rooted in the ancient world's understanding that a name expressed essence, the essence of a person. So the name would reveal that person's character and their nature. Revealing character and destiny, personal names might express hopes for the child's future. He will cause pain. Wow. Names tie us to our origins and our roots. They they distinguish us from one another. They call out the differences between us. They bring definition and they speak to identity. Your name defines you in some way, like it or not. And in Judaism, and I'm very thankful to Rabbi Benjamin Bleach and the website age.com there, 
which has given me loads of information about this uh, culture and names. In Jewish culture, names are considered to be the key to the soul. The Hebrew word for soul is neshama. And central to that word, in right in the middle, there are two letters, shin and mem. And when you put those together, they make the word shem, which is the Hebrew word for name. In other words, your name is the key, it's the center, it's central to your soul. If a person is critically ill, Jewish law actually suggests as a powerful last resort to change the name of the individual in order to alter the decree. Adding the name Chaim, Hebrew for life, is one well-known example. Now, I'm not unpacking the theology of that this morning, but I'm just trying to help us to understand the importance ascribed to names back when this guy's story is being told. So here's Jabez. In a culture where names represent your essence, where the name you are given has creative power or potential, where it's calling out some part of your destiny, who your parents hoped you would become, he walks into every room and he's asked, what's your name? And he has to say pain or sorrow. Can you imagine being saddled with a name like that? Can you imagine the the depths of humiliation and shame that would accrue over the years? Can you imagine being a parent that would give your child that name? It speaks of dysfunction, my friends. And we don't have much illumination. The text doesn't tell us anything more. But I think we can clearly read that there were issues here in this family unit. So here he is, walking around with this toxic, negative label, facing the reactions when people asked his name. And imagine the comparisons he would make with his friends named Victory or the Lord's Chosen One. Day upon day, year upon year, the degree to which the shame and the dishonor would attach itself, it would seep into your soul, wouldn't it? It would would make you believe that you could never push past it, that you could never amount to anything beyond that name. My friends, the first thing I want to say to us this morning as we unpack this story is that there is power, actually, in names. And we may not name our children with that same Hebraic understanding, but daily, we all wear names, And we all ascribe names to others. Might not be the name that our parents gave us, but there are labels, there are judgments, there are pronouncements on our identity. There are accusations leveled at us by the accuser, the enemy. And perhaps like Jabez, many of us have been walking around for years wearing a name or even names that someone else pronounced over us but that do not represent who we truly are on the inside. And with this part of Jabez's story comes a massive caution for you and me today. Words matter. Names matter. What we call somebody, what we speak over or about somebody else, it impacts them whether they hear it or whether they don't. There's life and there's blessing in our tongue. But we can also use our words to demolish, to discourage, 
to destroy, to shame and to dishonor. We get to choose how we name those around us. So how did he get his name? Well, it says this in verse 9. His mother called him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Childbirth is an inherently painful thing. That is true. And this lady may have had a very traumatic experience. I'd imagine that she did to to look at her newborn child and to pronounce a name like sorrow or pain. Her experience must have been really tough. And I don't want to underestimate that. But here's a child who was cursed by his own mother. The one who should have had immeasurable love, grace and blessing in her heart for this precious gift of life. And she couldn't see beyond her own pain, her own suffering, her own anguish and experience. And unwittingly, she passed her pain onto him and she placed the blame for her pain firmly where it did not belong. She confined and defined her own son by her own pain. There's a saying, isn't there, that hurt people can often hurt people. And we're all guilty of it. When we're hurting as humans, we can distort and fail to see who's really in front of us. We can lash out and we can say all sorts of harmful things, pushing, projecting, pronouncing our own pain onto someone else. I reckon we've all done it. And we've most likely all been on the receiving end of that too. The story of pain should have ended with Jabez's mum. It should have ended with that generation. But instead, by giving him this name, she is perpetuating that story of pain into the next generation. And she's affecting his identity and his quality of life because she can't see beyond her own sorrow and bless her son. I find this so sad And I know it's a story that many of us in this room and joining online this morning can identify with. Sometimes those we are most familiar with, those who should be able to see, bless and call out who we truly are inside, can be the ones who recognize it the least, can be the ones who attach names to us that we don't deserve, slander us or cause us sorrow. And if that's happened to you today, I just know that God wants to do something in your life. It even happened to Jesus. Matthew 12, 53 to 58. Jesus was received for who he was in many places. But in his own hometown, as he stood and read the Torah in the synagogue, they were amazed by his wisdom. They were amazed by his miraculous powers. But their amazement soon turned to scoffing, offense, and rejection as they reduced him in their familiarity from his true name and identity, Messiah, son of God, to Carpenter's son. Isn't isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brother's names James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And because of that, verse 58 tells us he wasn't received And he was unable to perform many miracles because they did not believe in him. In other words, they didn't accept his true identity. Wow. We need to be so careful what we say about others. 
We need to be so wary about who and what we're listening to as well. And if someone around you is often speaking badly, whether it's subtly undermining or whether it's brazen, they may not be the wisest company to keep because it's really hard not to be infected by toxic talk. Have you been limited by a name? Have you been rejected, pushed away or maligned by familiarity? Perhaps you've been written off. Maybe you've written somebody else off. Maybe you've assigned a name to someone else that doesn't represent who they truly are or who they are destined to become. Has familiarity or hurt caused you to lose sight of a true identity and how God sees somebody else? Jabez was born in pain and that's where it should have stopped. It should never have defined him. But in assigning that name to him, his mother spoke over him a life that was destined to be sad, full of sorrow and limitation. And that would be his lot. Or would it? Well, no, in fact, because there came the most incredible pivot point in Jabez's story. And this is where I get excited, my friends, because Jabez... We don't know what age he was when this moment came. We don't know how many years he had endured this name. But there comes a moment where his desire to truly be recognized for who he was on the inside superseded what he had been given from birth. There was this moment where he just could not stay in the limitations and the confines that someone else had had spoken over him. And you can almost feel that internal wrestle. It's like Jabez is down on the floor again. He's disappointed again. He feels the shame and the sting again. But there's this one moment where he gets up from the rope and he says no maybe he doesn't say that word but what he's doing in this moment is he's going no I won't live with this I can't have this and instead of running to his mum or his brothers and saying why did you give me that name it's not fair instead of taking his his feeling of anger and frustration there to the ones who did it to him he goes higher because he knows that there's only one voice that really matters there's one voice of affirmation that he needs to hear there's one who can give a blessing blessing that will never be revoked and that is the Lord himself and so I love this moment because Jabez is coming up higher and it's like come on Jabez you don't have to live with this pronouncement you can be free and he takes it to the one voice that really matters Jabez called on the God of Israel. Church, listen to me. A few weeks ago at Vision Sunday, we spoke about becoming a family who are passionate about prayer. And this moment, for me, it kind of defines that passion in prayer. It's a moment where Jabez goes, no, I won't live with the status quo. No, I'm not staying down here where you put me. I believe that God is able to change my narrative. What would change in your life? What would change in your family? What would change in our city and our community if we looked at the status quo, the things that actually aren't in line with God's heartbeat and said no, and we took it to that higher authority and we really believed that our prayer would change the story what if we believe that church come on come on we're saying that this world needs hope and it does 
But I believe that it starts in that positioning of prayer. That is the place where the battle is won or lost. And it breaks through into the natural. And here's the moment where I just get so excited about this because I want to kind of unravel that the sort of seeds of the prosperity gospel that maybe I read in that book all that time ago. He prays this. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Ooh, it makes us feel uncomfortable, us English people, doesn't it? You're like, ooh, that's a little bit bold. Praying for blessing, it feels a little selfish and impertinent and impudent to ask God to bless. But we need to understand the context, don't we? Of this guy who's been living under a curse all his life. He's not asking for wealth in this moment. I don't believe he is. He's not asking for that. He's basically saying, you are the only one God who can undo this thing that's been spoken over me. You alone can bless me. And where my mother should have done it and didn't, I believe that my dad in heaven is able to unlock a blessing that was denied in the natural. Friends, listen. If you've walked with rejection and pain in your life, and I know so many of us have, if you have been on the receiving end of dishonor and shame at the hands of individuals, take it higher. Take it higher because your dad in heaven, he wants to bless you. He wants to rewrite your story and my story. The one who had been written off In that moment, oh, would you bless me indeed? He's asking to be written in. He's basically saying, look, my family don't think I'm ever going to amount to anything except for causing others pain. And if I'm honest, I now believe it so much that I'm worried I'm just going to cause people pain. But God, if you bless me, I will be blessed. How awesome is that? He was asking God to reverse the curse of sin, pain and sickness It goes right back to the fall, but had tarnished and impacted his life and his future. And then he prays this, and enlarge my territory again. Oh, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? You know, would would you enlarge my territory? And it's been read often to mean, you know, would you give me influence? Would you give me that promotion that I've longed for? Now, don't get me wrong. It's okay to pray for a promotion. It's okay to want to to make an impact in your career. That's not a problem. But I just feel like that reduces this, the power of this prayer to something so self-serving. And that's not what he's doing here. This is what I think this means. He's basically saying, all my life, I've lived in a confined place. There have been limits. There's a lid over me and my capacity to do anything other than cause pain. And I can't live in this box anymore, God. I'm sick of the box. So would you enlarge my territory? Basically means, God, bust me out of this awful box. I can't live like this. It's not who I am. That name is not the fullness of who you made me to be. When we live defined by others' expectations, labels, or opinion of us, we do become confined. And I know, because I have felt it acutely, I have suffered through my life with rejection because of childhood issues. I'm not sharing this from some lofty place of not understanding. And there are moments, honestly, including this morning, where I wrestle to stand here 
and to deliver the word of God. And it's nothing to do with any of you. In fact, it's nothing to do with any human being. It's, it's this wrestle inside of me to become all that God has called me to be. And sometimes that can feel like the hardest thing to do. But if that's you, wrong names can limit us. He'll never be good at maths. You're not creative. She's a rubbish friend. You're unlovable. You're worthless. She's just too much. Oh, he's all talk and no action. These pronouncements made over us can cause us to entirely shut down whole areas of who we are. And we try to make ourselves smaller. Have you ever felt like that? I have. I definitely know I have. There are moments where I'm like, oh, could I just not be so loud sometimes, God, or so tigger-like? Um, you know, there, there are moments where we just want to make ourselves small, to live with the lid on, to shrink away from the fullness of our God-given identity. But Jabez got to a place where he was no longer satisfied with living small. He didn't want to be limited by this name that he'd worn for years. And so he took action and he asked God to enlarge his territory. So beautiful. And in praying and asking that, he was asking to be delivered from captivity, to step into freedom, and for God to change his story from one of confines and constraints, from what seemed like an inevitable trajectory to be hurt or to cause hurt, and to bring him into that wide and spacious place. If you're sitting here today and this resonates with you, I want you to know this. God knows your name. Not the name that you were given at birth. I mean, he does know that. Not the names that we have accrued over life, over time. He knows your name. He knows who he designed you to be. He knit you together intricately in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. And he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made just the way you are. He wants to enlarge your territory. He wants to bring you into a place of freedom from the shame, the dishonor, the indignity, the pain that some of that has caused you. But mostly, he wants to restore the fullness of your identity, which the enemy robbed from you the moment you owned and assimilated that name into your character. He doesn't want you to be anything less than who he has designed you to be. And then he prays that your hand would be with me. In other words, that your power, your protection, and your authority would be with me. Here's a guy who has had that hand of blessing removed from a parent. And he must have felt vulnerable and exposed in that moment. He doesn't want to live up to this awful judgment that he's been living with. And so he asks for God's hand to be with him, knowing that if God is with him, no one or nothing can be against him. And finally, he prays, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. And this reminds me of the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil. He's asking God to reverse the curse. He's asking God to spare him from that destiny that had been pronounced 
So God granted him what he requested. How beautiful is that? How loving is our dad in heaven that he looks at this guy and he's like, no, your past doesn't have to define your future. What's been said over you, what's been handed down through the generations that you think you can never break free of, that doesn't have to define you. I'm going to give you what you asked for, Jabez, because I love you. God has the final word in Jabez's story. What his own mother failed to see or call out, God not only saw, but he commended God knew his name. He saw beyond his start in life and he wanted to give him hope. He blessed him. He enlarged his territory. He broke off every limitation. Not saying that Jabez never had another struggle. I'm sure that isn't true. But God had the final word. Just makes me think of that song. I was singing it in the office this week. When Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. You know that one? I love that song. When Jesus is saying yes over somebody's life, there's not a human being on the planet that can say no. They might say it with their physical voice, but if we come up to that higher place, there's only one voice that matters, my friends. That's the voice that we need to lean into. And Jabez's story shows us that what man may write off, God has chosen to write in. The story of Jabez is in the middle of a genealogy. And there are lots of names that come before him, and there are lots of names that come after him. And I don't know about you, I'm just being really honest. Most of the time when I read those genealogies, I'm just like, son of, son of. But listen, God wrote him in so much that instead of him just having a one-liner there, his name is amplified out. It's like God just wanted to so seal that deal that there he is and there's all of this extra information about Jabez and his story when everybody else just gets a so-and-so son of, so-and-so son of. I just think that's awesome. That is our God and his redemptive power. Forgive me, I meant to warn you that communion is coming round at the start. I was reflecting on how to um, finish this message because I really know that there are people who, who need to do some business in this room today. And I don't want to call you forward. What I want to do today is to come back to the cross. Because at the cross, every curse was broken. Pain, suffering... All of those things were dealt with. And we live in the tension between what Jesus accomplished on the cross and the fullness of inhabiting all of that. So in this life, we will have trouble. We will have suffering. We will have tribulation. But as we take communion together as a family this morning, I want to encourage us to do two things. Firstly, to hand Jesus every name that we have been wearing that does not represent who we truly are on the inside, maybe even names that we've given ourselves, knowing that his work on the cross, his death and his resurrection had the final word over our life and our destiny and who we truly are. But secondly, I would love us to take a moment to be real 
and to ask the Holy Spirit to convict us of where we may have ascribed names to others that don't befit them. We do it all the time, and there's no condemnation in Christ, but it's good sometimes to have a moment of being real and actually to forgive and to ask for forgiveness. If you're visiting with us today, you are very, very welcome to take communion. Everybody is welcome to take communion. If you don't feel comfortable with that, just leave it on your seat or let it pass on by. Please don't feel that you have to. Lord, I want to thank you today that you have the final word. Thank you from the life of a, of a guy like Jabez. We can be reminded that there is a name above all names. And that's Jesus. And you love us completely. You love us so much that you didn't withhold your life. But you went to the cross and you suffered rejection and you suffered shame and you suffered pain and indignity and humiliation so that we could know life in all its fullness. And so, Lord, as we bring those names to you today that we want to leave at the foot of the cross, I pray that you would just do something amazing in us that you would seal our true identity as sons and daughters that we would know today that we're blessed not because we're awesome but because we're yours and Lord we want to forgive those who have spoken stuff over us we don't want it to have power over us any longer so we hand it to the highest authority and we just ask that you would remind us of our true identity in you. And we pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for every time that we inadvertently ascribe names in judgment, in unkindness, in misunderstanding, in error. We're so sorry, Lord, that sometimes we call out the worst in people when you're asking us to call out the best. Forgive us, we pray restore us help us to be those who call out the good in every individual every human being that you have created so let's take communion together my friends let's eat and drink and remember that Jesus died he shed his blood for you he gave his body for you and he loves you just the way you are